Welcome to the Personal Best Podcast, powered by Jets Australia. My name is Bart. I'm the head coach here at Jets Australia, and to my left is the man. It is Jacob Kettle. Good morning, everyone. Something you should know is pigeons were once domesticated by humans, but then abandoned. Another thing you should know is to follow the podcast, subscribe, and to have a good day. How are you this morning, Bart? Man, I'm, I'm pumped. I'm keen to explore what's happening with pigeons in a little bit. Yep. But for those that are new here, the way we roll in this episode, we have a bit of a preamble. We keep everything health and fitness related, but then we launch into some fitness questions. Those questions today are all about foam rollers. Should I be doing them before or after a workout? Um, uh, how do I know which weight to use in a certain lift? I've already lost 30 kilos, but can't seem to lose the last 10. What can I do to reignite my fat loss and much, much more? Let's get into the episode. Circle back to the pigeons, mate. That That was wonderful. All right, you th- you think of pigeons. We all think of pigeons as kind of like the rodents of the bird aviary wor- world, don't mm-hmm. we? And I think we've all thought of this, but recently I came to discover that we've kind of given them a bit of a hard, hard run, old pigeons, because okay. they're looked at as like the rats of the bird world. But in actual fact, pigeons were actually domesticated by us centuries ago. Right. We used to take them in like dogs, and we had them. They were used for multiple different reasons. We don't really know why. Some Interesting. In a way that, like, they talk about it like the fax machine. It once They once had a use. We once had them as pets. And then they kind of got out and spread out. And then humans eventually <laughs> were like, nah, nah, we don't need yous anymore. And they got so used to the way, hu- like, which they, didn't, they don't know how to make nests anymore. Uh-huh. And they're kind of just wandering around uselessly because we brought them in, we... We gave them everything and then we took it away. And now they're, they're looked at, they're shunned upon, but ap- apparently they're quite nice little birds and quite smart. So from so from the pigeon's point of view, are, yep. they, are they thinking like, man, I love these humans. I just want to connect with them. I want to interact with them. And we're always just like, get get out of my way. Yeah, get we're just like, it's just like if you if we were like, let's have it with dogs a bit. Yeah. Go off on your own. And don't think of like dogs would eventually uh-huh. you get a stray dog and they'll yeah. figure out how to live and they'll be a bit stray. Yeah, yeah. But these are a bit sillier and they're just kind of wandlessly aiming around going, all right, well, I'll just, I'll figure stuff out on my own. It's like kicking a toddler, like <laughs> an eight-year-old out on the street and being like, find it out for yourself and this thing doesn't know what it's doing. All they want is love. All they want is love. These <laughs> pigeons want love. And, pigeon and we look at them like they're nothing. <laughs> this is great. <laughs> So I'll next time you see a pigeon, guys, don't scoff. Give it a hug. Give it a hug. That's it. it might be a bit dirty, but like... Yeah, know. make sure you sanitise hey. afterwards. All right, I'm going to flip this around. This is a monumentous weekend. Do you know, firstly, do you know why this is a monumentous weekend coming up? Uh, no. Is there a UFC <laughs> event on? No. Nah, no, no, no. It's the AFLW Grand Final. Ah. Right. Now, this may not happen again in our lifetime, so we need to bring it up because... The people in the grand, the teams in the grand final are the Brisbane Lions, that's your team, and Lions. bloody North Melbourne Kangaroos, yes. hey? And we say that because obviously Brisbane will have many grand finals to come, but 
the North Melbourne Football Club may not see another one for the rest of until the sun explodes. Ouch. Yeah, but it's going to be a good game. From all from I, I watched a couple of the games on the weekend and they were cracking. Like the 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 level of AFLW has increased. Yeah, they really the they're really picking up their game. <coughs> it's awesome. So I just wanted to mark that. All right, I'm not going to place any bets because I'm I'm a North Melbourne supporter and I'm very shy and mm-hmm. very um and very hurt. But I'll be watching. And I'll be, I know how I'll I've be already playing, I've already received one grand final loss this year from the Lions. I don't need two. Oh, that could, that could hurt. And did you? And, and that, speaking, this is sorry for those who are international. I have no idea what AFL is, but um, Melbourne, right? They went out in straight sets in the men's final. They also went out in straight sets in the women's finals as well. We like that. I thought that was a nice coincidence. And anywho, so I've been um. I've been working on a bit of a side project. It's a new sort of keynote speech that I've been working on. I've been doing a bit of research about positive and negative interactions, and this has really, um, really fascinated me, right? Because we know our reality, so you out there, us here, everything we see is a perception. We perceive things and put emotions and feelings to things. And there was this great study done in 2001, and they were looking at couples, and they were looking at what makes a happy couple. And so the first thing they found is that negative interactions or negative situations light up your brain more. So your brain activates more to negative situations, which makes perfect sense. Mm -hmm. If we're evolutionary, if we're back in caveman days and we encounter a lion, we want to remember where we encountered that lion. (laughs) And we want to make sure how we fix that problem. And how to run away, fire up Mm. the brain, do all that sort of stuff. Makes sense. They found that these negative interactions last longer in your brain as well. If you're an anxious person out there, you know exactly what I'm talking about. The smallest little negative interaction can just weigh on you for for days and, and weeks and months and years in some instances. So we know that. And then they looked at, well, if we know negative interactions are more stimulating to the brain, how many positive interactions do we need to match or overtake negative interactions? And they came up with a, a ratio of five to one. So you need five positive interactions within your relationship as a couple or within life to match or outweigh the one negative interaction. How mm-hmm. incredible is that? That's pretty wild. Yeah. I'm just thinking of ways to mitigate. Like at all times you've got to be like, all right, if I have a medic- negative reaction with this person you just meet, I have to times it by five That's right. good <laughs> to, to <laughs> get in their good books. Give them five compliments immediately. Yeah. But it's interesting because if we think about the, the media we take in and the way we sort of live our lives digitally, we get so much information mm-hmm. into our brain at, at any time of day. And so if we're scrolling through our social media feed and we're comparing ourselves to others or you know we're seeing what's happening with the war overseas or we listen to the news and it's all doom and gloom, we can't just... We can't just take that as some sort of woo-woo, push-it-to-the-side thing because all of that stuff adds up. Our unconscious brain takes in so much more than our conscious brain. Mm-hmm. And you know how they say, like, you are the sum of the five people that you hang around? Yep. That's e- it's, e- it's exactly the exact same boat. Whatever environment you put you in and whatever, whatever thoughts you are thinking will shape your reality and your perception. And what we've found as well is that for y- if you start thinking differently, and thinking differently is a choice, what happens is there a new neural pathway fires in your brain. Mm-hmm. And so initially that's a new pathway. It's never been done that way before. If you're a pessimist and you start to think more optimistically, that yep. pathway develops. And if you think about it again and you use that pathway again and again and again and again, all of a sudden your brain is changing. And then over time, that positive connotation, those positive thoughts, all of a sudden become default. They yeah. become you. So that's a tip out there. If we take stock of the media you're taking in, and, and you know if you're if you're prone to anxiety or you're prone to negative thoughts, just remember it's a choice. 
mm-hmm. just choose to think differently, choose to take in more positive uh, interactions, a five to one ratio, and you might see your thoughts start. Yeah, to and I guess with the social media thing, you see it's like a highlight of everyone else's world, and you're seeing everyone post their their positive things, and mm-hmm. you're only seeing your negative things. Mm-hmm. So you're getting a bit and going, why isn't my life like that? Why isn't this like that? But I did see a little. Have you heard of the let them theory? Let them know. It goes on the optimistic side of things like that where um, people get caught up with how they interact with others. Mm -hmm. So you might have a deal with like something with your boss, your family, your Mm -hmm. partner. And why did they think like that? Uh, Why did, if they thought this about me, let them. Mm. If they had this negative thing, let them. You can't Mm. change other people's mind. So if you have that, this, that, optimistic thing being like well let them i can only control what i can control gives you much of a straighter narrow outlook on life and you go well it doesn't it doesn't affect me i can't change how they think so just let them think like that i love that because mm. you're not you're not giving your power to them no you're keeping your power and you're, you're making an active choice which gives you power yeah you go all right let them bloody hell i love that mm. we should start a new segment optimism hour yeah neuroscience out no we'll leave that to Hubert but it <laughs> definitely does it the best I want to play a game with okay. you alright I'm always interested in your opinion on, on a lot of things yep and so you've obviously heard of biohacking before yep so for those that don't know what biohacking it's certain lifestyle things you can do to, to make your biology work better either by you know upgrading your mitochondria to give you more energy you know, doing a certain sleeping technique to get you more sleep or a big, you know, what, what's sort of the bang for your buck exercise to get the most benefits with the minimal effective dose. We're ha- hacking our biology to make us a healthier and better person. And some people go deep in this stuff, mate, like people inserting microchips in, into their into their arms, you know, doing some crazy stuff. So I've got a, a number of here that seem to be the most popular yep. according to five internet lists that I've found. <laughs> and I want a yay or nay. Okay. All right. If you don't understand what they are, <coughs> we'll, we'll dive a bit deeper, right? Yep. So yay or nay, bulletproof coffee. What does that mean? So bulletproof coffee is a coffee, mm-hmm. black coffee with grass-fed butter uh, and either coconut oil or um, or a constituent of coconut oil. Um, that, that's, I think it's called C8 oil or something like that. Mm-hmm. Blend it into the coffee, and then you drink the coffee. It's supposed to give you as it um, what's the word? It makes the caffeine absorption slower, so the caffeine doesn't hit you as hard, okay. and can give you lasting energy because of it. Bulletproof coffee, would you indulge? I think I've had it once, mm. but I would indulge if it tastes good. Um, I'm not much of a coffee snob myself. All coffee is good coffee generally to me, um, but I would if it's sweet, tasty. And um, gets me going. Very interesting. I went through a phase with bulletproof coffee for a, for a long time. And, and you get to it's an, one of those things. Coffee snobs like to talk about their order, <laughs> and to say that you ha- are drinking bulletproof coffee is just another little notch in their belt <laughs> of like I'm elitist and this is kind of cool. Have, have I hit a nerve? Do you? No, no. You, I think there, there sometimes <laughs> I just think people <laughs> care way too much about coffee than they should. Yeah. And like I like coffee, but they're like, oh, I'm drinking. I have to have a half milky. Or like they get super elitist about it, and it's like, chill out, bro. It's beans and water. <laughs> like, come on. At the end of the day, it's just beans and water. Um, I reckon a lot of it is BS as well. Because you know, <laughs> they'll be like, oh, I have the, there's a base note of of yeah. Of, charcoal and then a top note of citrus miss like, me with that i don't think i like like i'll be like cool i'll try it i'm keen <laughs> the benefits of it but but i'll just as well have yeah. a cafe <laughs> blend 43 um all right uh meditation you know what that yeah is. yeah yeah 
Yeah, good. That's good. Meditation is great, by the way. Very compelling research. Grounding. Yeah. So I like. I I get it. I I get. I like the thing of it. Mm-hmm. The thing I am yet to try that I think we should try. Have you heard of the the grounding blankets? I ha- I have the the ones on your bed that you yeah. sleep on. Yes. See, I don't know that whole science, but mm. I, I feel that's a bit woo-woo. I don't just get outside. Like if you go into that <laughs> yeah. that that length to ground yourself while you're sleeping, surely you can just go find some grass. Maybe it's a big smoke city life thing mm-hmm. that you can't. It's pa- pounding the pavement type of thing. You can't find any grass around, but get your blanket. Get your blanket. <laughs> that I'm f- I'm fine with grounding. As long as, um, it's, yeah. as long as it's an ease of access, just get I'm outside. not putting don't an electric blanket underneath me just to ground. No, to look, and look, look into a bit of research about grounding if you don't know what that mm. is. It's very, very interesting sort of stuff. <coughs> Next. Self-massage. <laughs> <laughs> yep, okay. I, I'm aware of what... Could you just, just tell the listener what exactly that is, but... I worded I, that very, very poorly. Um, stuff like foam rolling. Ah, okay, you know, yeah. Stuff like the yes. massage gun. Yes, I like that. Yeah, you like that I'm stuff? I'm a fan of that. Be fan of the foam. We have a f- question about the foam roll. We might go into that a bit later. Um, here we go. Circadian centered lighting. Centered as in centered. centered, like it's the center. Oh, centered. So it's lighting. focused. Yeah. So it's focused on. Now, how how does this work? <coughs> All right. So we know. I I can already predict your answer, but I'll I'll, mm-hmm. I'll leave it. So we know getting out into the sun. Mm-hmm. Good to set your circadian rhythm. A consistent circadian rhythm helps us sleep better and makes us an overall healthier person. There are devices that you can either stick up your nose or into your ear that emit a light into certain parts of your body. And apparently, if that part of the body gets the light, it makes the circadian um, effect more powerful and fast. So the idea the idea is you wake up, put this device into your nose or your ear, you don't have to go out into the sun, and your body knows it's awake and it can start circadian rhythm. What are your thoughts? Hate it. <laughs> Stupid idea. <laughs> hey, bro, open a window. <laughs> Why are you sticking stuff up your nose to sit, tell you when the sun's up? That's just, if you're doing that, honestly, you need to work on yourself because mm. open a window. Surely, sh- are you doing this? No, no, <laughs> no. I feel, I feel like if I did, you'd quit the podcast. Oh, God, honestly. Oh, like, I like circadian, like, <clears throat> Getting up with the sun, figuring it out. Uh, yeah. If you can't figure it out on your own, if your brain can't figure it out, don't be shoving stuff up your nostrils to tell you when the sun's up. Brilliant. I've got three more. All right, <laughs> this is going far better than I thought it would. <coughs> Stand up desk. Oh, I'd love them. Love them. Have one. Use it. Do you, are you are you a frequent a day or do you like start up and then sit? I'm down? a I'm a up and down. I'm always up and down. That's good. Twenty minutes on, twenty minutes off, kind of kind of scenario. Yep. Big fan. All right. Sauna. Love them. Mm-hmm. Good and. <laughs> is that there? Intermittent fasting. I like it. Mm. I'm a fan. Mm-hmm. The it's I like that it has some effects, mm. and it also has you know like the la- the lazy person in me that sometimes doesn't doesn't mm-hmm. eat on time. I go well, I'm just fasting. Now. Yeah, that's it. You put I'm intermittent fasting. I'm putting excuse. yeah. I'm I like <laughs> that. All right, that that was pretty good. So we found out a couple of things. One, you got a bit of a thing with coffee snobs. <coughs> uh, and two, don't stick stuff up your nose. We know that. All right, yep. cool. Don't um, oh, I didn't say anything. <laughs> 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 Just kidding. All right, I've got one more thing before we jump into the questions. <clears throat> Have you heard of a, a guy called Jacob Inyabritsen? Uh No, I haven't. So he's from he's from Norway. I'll note that that your name's Jacob and that his his Jacob is spelled with a K. Yeah, can I just touch on that briefly? Sure. I went to McDonald's the other day and I ordered through the app. And they, they get your name. Yeah. 
And I was like, this is my order number. And he goes, oh, order for Jakob. Oh, no. <laughs> no I, like, I just said, yeah. But like, surely. Was he being funny? I don't think so. Was he from Norway? I was like, surely. I have one of the most basic names of, of all time. How are you? I've never got that before. Jakob. I've never got Jakob. The only thing I can think of is that if he's watched the show Sex Education, season one, okay. there's a character in there called Jakob. Okay. So unless he's a fan of sex education, there is no excuse for like doing a soft J and McDonald's. Holy moly. I'm not, yeah, Jesus. Are funny. you okay? I, no, I was like, I, it was kind of funny and I was like, did I just get power moved a little bit? Far out, straight I up. I think so. That is a power move, hey. Do but yeah, what is Jakob up to? <clears throat> so anyway, so this guy is like a once in a generation middle to long distance runner. So a four-time European champion, currently holds the world record for I think the 1500 and the 2K uh, indoor so he's an absolute weapon at sort of the the one to five k um, distance, and I saw a great clip of him talking about his training. I just want to read out some of the points um, that he said. He said that most people go too hard in training because they have the wrong mentality. It's because many athletes don't actually believe in themselves or in their program, and this is a really interesting concept. The main purpose of training should be to build up confidence, but to target specific adaptations. <coughs> what makes a successful preparation for an event is accumulating many sessions where you deliberately achieve specific goals set in advance rather than trying to always hammer yourself. Mm. So I thought this was a very poignant thing to watch because I've been mulling over in my head and I've come to the conclusion that most of the results that we want and you out there want in the gym, whether it's aesthetics, performance or whatever, they happen sub-maximally. So they don't happen with you going as hard as you can always. It just, it just doesn't work mm. like that. And then it's sort of a two-edged sword because if you always go to the gym and thrash yourself and you're giving yourself, um, you have to recover more from it. And then it's going to hamper what's going to happen in the next workout because you haven't recovered from it. Yeah. But if you stick with this sub-maximal and be a little bit more strategic, like we know this, we know that there's um, there's research out there that that sort of two reps in reserve or two reps from failure is a perfect spot to stop your set. That's where you get the most results from it. Like we know this. And yet there is a human condition that we have to go into the gym. We have to get sweaty. We have to be on the floor in a pool of sweat afterwards. But it's not like that at all. I just thought it was really interesting coming from you know, one of the best athletes yeah. in the world. I like that. I also do worry about those uh, people that say stuff like that. Like, he's a peak athlete. True. And then he's telling people, because the people that generally hear that aren't the ones that are training too hard. Nice. It's the people that aren't training hard enough that go, that's a little excuse to be like, I don't want to train too, like, mm. I don't want to train too hard. This guy said, and it's like, no, you're not, mm. you're not there in the first place. That's the people that are, he's talking to, flies over their head generally and they're tra training too hard. Mate, that's so true. Yeah. And you're right, the person that doesn't go intense enough hears that and goes, oh, I don't want to, oh yeah, I'll I don't want to get too bulky. That's know? right. And, and it's, it's <laughs> mate, don't get me started. <laughs> but you're right, I think there is a bit of an issue in the gyms at the moment is that you're either not hitting enough intensity or you're hitting it too hard and we're not quite finding that right balance, which I think is, is why a coach can really sort of mm. point you in the right direction. I think everyone needs to train them, just saying. All right. All right, I have a quick 30-second food prep. Yep. All right. 
So this week, so 30 second food prep, I'm going to take you through something I cooked this week. The recipe will be take about 30 seconds. There's a few caveats to this one, all right? Number one, I'm a big fan of a one pot or a one pan dinner. Don't want to be them. Don't want to be cleaning up too much. And this is a one pan dinner that you can do in 45 minutes. Super easy. One one piece of uh, advice and one, one thing you need in this recipe is a boneless butterfly chicken. They're at Woolies and they're at Coles and they are awesome. It's a whole chicken. The bones are taken out and they're put into a marinade. And the, and the marinade isn't too bad. You know, it's got a little bit of sugar in it, but it's not, not the worst. So you can add a bit of flavor. Super easy to cook. And they come in like a bag, so they, they, they store for a while too. So that's a huge hack. So here it is. It's called Boneless Butterfly Chicken with Potatoes, a very imaginative title. <coughs> Three, two, one, go. Heat an oven to 180 degrees. Get some sweet potato, as much as you need for your food prep. Loosely chop them. They don't need to be small. They don't need to be big. They need to be somewhere in the middle. Put a bit of olive, olive oil on them. Put them in a pan. Bung them in the oven for 15 minutes. After 15 minutes, get that chicken, put it on the same pan, then keep that in the oven for another 30 minutes. Then take it out, enjoy your potatoes, enjoy your chicken, and you have food prep for a few meals afterwards. Boom. Great. What do you reckon? Hits all the targets. Sweet chili mango. That's So sweet chili mango is my current favorite flavor. Yep. You get it from it's Woolies. <coughs> and you can get like a Lilydale one that's a free-range chicken but it's like a lemon and herb situation, which is delicious, but I don't think it's good as the um, the mango chili situation. Very cool. I'll have to try it. I do like a one-pot scenario, mm-hmm. and that that ticks all my boxes, but... Ticks the boxes, baby. Can I just put out... Uh, this is just this is just a message to Coles out there that I... Uh, this is another gripe I <laughs> you have. Use your platform. I Go. have a platform, and I'm going to use it. This is the one... Th- I'm a Coles guy generally at, at the moment. This is the thing that Woolies has over Coles. I cannot get ripe avocados at Coles ever. They are only rock hard. I have to prep days in advance if I want an <laughs> avocado. <laughs> I they only like because av- uh, Woolies has a thing. It's like the the new ones. Mm. Here are the the ready to go ones. Mm. The whole they do. I only ever see rock hard avocados. I wanted to make burrito bowls last night and make guac. Mm-hmm. I look, I felt every avocado at Coles, and this is a consistent thing. I'm not just making this up on the spot. I don't want to have to prep three days in advance when I want to buy an avocado. Coles, sort it out. <laughs> You're right, though. But it's is. Do Re- what does everyone else is everyone else <laughs> buying avocados and going? No, I'm going to use this in seven days. Or is everyone just like? Um, <laughs> I um, want them ready to go now. Hundred percent, right now. <laughs> All right. On that note, let's get into some questions. Let's cool, go. Cool down. <laughs> This has been beaming out of me the last 24 hours. Should I? Question one. <laughs> should I be using a foam roller before or after my mm-hmm. workout? Before yeah. slash after. Whatever. Yeah, cool. So the, the foam roller is in most gym, gyms now, which is great. There was a time when the foam roller wasn't, and now it's sort of become ubiquitous amongst gyms. And for those who have never used it before, you sort of use it to, to leverage your body on top of it, to roll out parts of your body that can be tight mm-hmm. and what it does is it speaks to your nervous system to say hey that this this muscle actually is okay just relax a little bit sort of alleviate a bit of a bit of pain and give you a bit more range of motion the um you can use it before and after your workout i prefer it after the workout <coughs> but if you do it before the workout just make sure you're also priming or strengthening the weak muscles at the same time so the situation is this if you've got um a tight hip flexor and you roll out the hip flexor the, the signal to the 
to that muscle and to the nervous system of that muscle is, hey, relax, when really you're about to use it in a lift, a deadlift or a squat or, or what have you, and you won't sort of be in the opposite. You want it to be primed and ready to go. So make sure that you're using the foam roller to loosen the tight areas, but then doing exercises to prime and strengthen the weak areas. So in this situation, it would be roll the hip flexors and then strengthen the glutes. So it's a, two, it's a two-pronged approach to for you to get more activation, hopefully more strength in your lifts and more range of motion. I like it after the workout because you can relax on it. And so it is sending the relaxation signal. The workout's done. We don't need to do any more. So we can focus on recovery a bit more. So then you can spend a bit more time on your quads, on your calves, on your hamstrings. I really like it for the upper back, particularly opening up that thoracic, opening up the upper back so to sort of leverage around. Um, but there's, n- there's a number of ways to do it. So just make sure if you do it before your workout, make sure you're priming as well. And if you do it after your workout, great it's a good way to recover and during your day as well if you have if you're in, if you're sitting in an office all day hey get a foam roller keep it at your desk you know no blowing your mind here and then roll out your back every hour or so particularly if you have shoulder issues or roll out your hip flexors or do some sort of mobilization with it just to break up your day it's, it's a cool tool to have um all year round yes very nice i feel like it's um still kicking but it had it's had it's like glory days yeah. and now everyone's like push working on the massage guns is like that's the new they're, thing. They're yeah. the new kid in town. And but I love foam rollers. Still got their place. They do, and I I really like firm ones. But like you can tell that they're getting they're getting uh, crazy with the designs on them now. Mm. So there's some with like really sharp sort of ridges on it. Yeah. There's some that are sort of completely smooth, and there's some that even vibrate to sort of intensify yeah. the signal that it's sending. So I saw some guy just rolling a tire over him. Wow. No, I was just kidding. He's getting run over by a car. <laughs> Did you help him? <laughs> yeah, that was on the street. I don't know what he was doing. He wasn't yeah. moving. Yep. <laughs> All right. Question two. What are the healthiest veggies to eat? Yeah, great question, hey. They're all pretty good. My and my, The way I sort of approach this is we know that a variety of vegetables is good. So if you always eat, if you just eat peas and corn like I did when I was a kid, it's great. You're eating veggies. But the better way would be to diversify, add different fibres, add different colours. So my recommendation would be to make sure you're getting a variety. Um, make sure you're getting a variety of colours as well. And take stock of your diet. Like a lot of people, myself included, I'll, I'll sort of look back what I ate over the last few few days and either be orange, brown or yellow, you know. Like try and get some greens in there, try and get some blues, try and get some reds. The colours from natural food offer different types of antioxidants uh, and different other benefits. So to sort of cover your bases of your micronutrients, get a variety of veggies in there, get a bit crazy, try some, you know, bit of melon or some weird hybrid cauliflower broccoli monstrosity, which I've seen a couple of times. I think there are willies too. Um, but a particular shout out to cruciferous vegetables. So cruciferous vegetables are from a certain type of family. It's called the brachier something, something family. Um, there's stuff like broccoli, cauliflower, cabbage, Brussels sprouts, I kind of go towards them because they're a little bit higher in fibre uh, and they, they provide some pretty powerful antioxidants that have been shown in a number of studies to benefit the body in a number of ways. One in particular is called DIM, D-I-M, dimethyl something, something, something. I'm good with my words mm-hmm, yep. today. Yep, DIM, D-I-M. Um, and it can, it's in broccoli. Um, it can have an effect on helping with um, estrogen uh, and testosterone, or estrogen um, assimilation which can in turn help with testosterone levels as well. So um, I, I go towards cruciferous usually, but try and get a variety throughout my okay. diet. Yeah. What's your favourite vegetable? Uh, spinach. Nice. 
Mm. Yeah, shout out to Leafy Greens as well. Like mm. le- leafy Greens in particular have <coughs> a, re- a, a number of really good things about them that others don't. The darker Leafy Greens I think are pretty good. Stuff like spinach. I'm a big fan of um, Swiss chard or silver beet. They're, both, they're the same thing. Um, dark green colour is really good for your, really good for your health. Mm. Mm. Okay. Mm. Question three. How do I know what weight to use for a lift? Cool. So if you've got a set, really it doesn't matter what set you're doing, but it depends on sort of what your goal is. But generally speaking here, you want to finish your set with two reps in reserve-ish um, or, or feeling like you could do two more good reps. So we should stop our, stop our set, like we mentioned before, before absolute failure. Mm-hmm. <coughs> and that sort of gives us the best of both worlds. We'll gain strength from that. We'll gain a pretty decent amount of muscle from that. And we won't stress our body too much, so we have to recover more. So we're sort of getting the, the minimal effective dose there. So knowing that, we want to pick a weight, no matter what rep re- re- range you're doing, that will allow us to do that. So if we've got a set of 12, and we do a set of 12, and you finish the set, and you're like, oh, I at least had you know four, five, six, s- seven reps in reserve there. That's an indication that you need to bump up your weight. So my recommendation is to always do a few warm-up sets to get to your working weight and then do your working sets at that weight. So if you've got four sets of 10, don't do um, a, set of, uh, a set with 10 kilo dumbbells and the next set with 12.5 and then 15 and then 17.5. My recommendation would be to build up to 17.5 and then do your, your four working sets with that heavier weight because that's your true representation of that rep range, if that makes sense. If you're completely lost, like I don't know what two reps in reserve feels like, pick the exercise you want to pick the weight for and go to failure and just see how many you get out and you'll be surprised. If you've been in this game for a long time and you've never done that before, do a set of 20 and see how much weight you can push for a set of 20 and I can guarantee you it'll change what weight you'll use for a set of 10 or or a set of 6 in comparison. So um, build your way up, look for two reps in reserve, do a trial and error and then find that weight you're looking for. Great. Couldn't have said it better myself, but... (laughs) Thanks, mate. Question four, I have already lost 30 kilos, but I can't seem to get rid of the last 10 10 off. Mm. What can I do to reignite my fat loss? It's a a tricky situation uh, for a lot of people, even tricky for a coach. You know, more more information would definitely be, um, would be handy. But the first thing is to sort of take take stock of everything, Mm -hmm. right? Where are your calories at? Are you um are you eating enough protein? Uh, how much training are you doing? How much strength training in particular are you doing? Are you relying on cardio to keep the weight off? Um, are you sleeping well? Are you stressed? So d- take a real stock with how you're applying and recovering from your stress, and often you'll find some holes, and those holes are good things to attack. So if you're um if you're a bit of a, a type A person and you're you're pushing it in the gym, you're pushing it at work, you're pushing it with your family life, and you've you've identified from this exercise that your sleep is being um, uh, being hampered, that's a great place to start. And it doesn't have to be with exactly what you're doing in the gym. But plateaus will happen. Plateaus will happen with everyone. You know, progress, whether it's muscle gain or fat loss or performance, it's not linear. And so we can't just think what we've done in the past and doing more of what we've done in the past is going to work because often the body doesn't work that way. Uh, we, we change over time and the way we change, the way we train needs to change that way too. Mm-hmm. So particularly if you're doing your hypocardio, 
I'd take stock on that. Know that um, know that cardio is this manually burning calories, which takes up a bit of time, takes up a lot of effort. I'd recommend focusing your, your attention on trying to automatically burn more calories, which means counterintuitively, you might need to actively try and build muscle. You might need to actually eat more to build that metabolism, build a bit more lean tissue in your body to increase that metabolism over time. <coughs> and... It's funny. It's it seems so counterintuitive to do that, but if you do that for a phase, you know, a four to, to eight week phase, I can guarantee you'll see a change in your body, and you might be surprised on how your body looks and your body composition sits um, at the end of it. But you'll never know unless you try. For a lot of people, it's, it's it's a psychological thing, particularly if you've lost. Also, by the way, losing thirty kilos is yeah, well done. yeah, huge. Um, if you've already lost thirty kilos. Um, it's a big psychological battle for you to try and eat more food because for the past however long you've been doing that, your mentality has been, all right, I've got to cut out the bad food, I need to cut calories to get this weight down. But trust me, shifting that paradigm, <coughs> nourishing the body, feeding the body what it needs and what it's craving to actively increase the metabolism is a great way to start. And it works in the opposite direction too. If you're on the perma bulk and you've been bulk- bulking for, <coughs> for ages, one of the best things you can do is to go on a cut for one, two, three, four weeks, resensitize yourself to the, the calorie surplus and you might find the muscles will start to poke out a little bit more which might reevaluate what you're trying to do with your bulk as well. So there's a number of things we can do to sort of get those last 10 kilos off but what I'm going to say is that to get those last 10 kilos off it's got to be different to what you've done in the past. <coughs> we, need, we need to find a different way and hopefully a more sustainable way You know, if you are doing too much exercise to, um, to get there. So to sum up, um, take stock of everything, find the hole, find the thing where you can put a bit more emphasis into it, even if it means taking your time away from the gym, particularly if you've been exercising for a long time, uh, and then consider it going into a surplus. And I'm a big fan, I've mentioned it many times before, but I'm a big fan of these mini cuts and mini bulks, you know, two or three or four weeks of a bulk, two or three or four weeks of a cut, just to keep the metabolism adapting and the metabolism on its toes, and then for you to adjust your training programs in sort of the, the same way. That's another tip as well. You know, if you haven't changed your training program in a while, if you've just been doing the same the same reps, the same sets, the same cardio intervals, change it, baby. Change it and you'll be surprised with um with what happens. And get a coach. Get a, coach. Coach, a coach will be able to help you out. Keep your metabolism on its toes. Don't let it get comfortable. Yeah, don't let it get lazy. Thanks, Bart. Thanks for another great episode. Thank you for listening. Yeah, thanks, guys. If you'd like to learn more, tune into the next episode. <laughs> This is great. We should swap roles. Um, make sure you are following. Make sure you are following. Make sure you are sharing the show as well. Um, we've got some cool stuff coming to you in 2024. Make sure you don't miss a beat of it. Follow us on all the uh, social things, Jets Australia, J-E-T-T-S, on, on all the social pipes, and, uh, and we'll see you in the next episode. Bye.